Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast. We are continuing today with our series for the Epiphany season called From the River to the Mountain. And of course, you can read more about that series and find lots of great resources coordinated with that on the foundation at wellscongregationalservices.net. I'm John Mitchell from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. With us for this series, Pastor John Bordelin from St. John's in McQuanago, Wisconsin, and Pastor Phil Kasmer from Christ the Lord in Brookfield, Wisconsin. Uh, so let's start out with you, Phil. Could you tell us a little bit about the weekly theme for this Sunday uh, in the From the River to the Mountain series? Uh, so our theme this week is committed to a lofty charge, and uh, it makes a good application to our Savior, of course, and the festival half of the church here. We're watching his work and his ministry, but uh, as usual, his work in ministry moves us, and it moves us into ministry as well. Uh, so Jesus comes onto the scene and is preaching, proclaiming, and making followers, uh, disciples, calling them, and when he does, he calls them into making more of the same, uh, and that, that charge, as we'll see in the gospel itself, but in some of the other readings that we have, is uh, the charge of Christians throughout the ages. Uh, so a, a high calling to proclaim the good news of the gospel. Jesus did it first, and you and I have the joy of following after, and of course, uh, we as preachers have that joy as a particular calling, but we too get to call our people to it as well. Yeah, so Jesus uh, proclaims the gospel and shares this lofty charge with his followers. Uh, John, before we get to the gospel as our text today, could you give us a quick rundown of the first reading and the second reading? Yeah, thanks, John. Uh, first reading comes from Jonah chapter 3, and uh, the grace of the Lord shown to Jonah that uh, his word would come to him a second time, and um, calling him uh, to Nineveh or Nineveh um, and uh, the grace that's shown to us as preachers to be able to to have this lofty charge of proclaiming um, the message from the Lord um, to a people who, who didn't always want to hear it or don't always want to hear it. Uh, a second reading, uh, Paul's uh, second letter to the Corinthians chapter 5, uh, those beautiful verses that we know, the message of reconciliation, um, which is first and foremost for us. Um, but uh, as ambassadors, Paul would say, uh, uh, God is making his appeal through us. Um, so Second Corinthians 5, and I don't always do this, but I would like to point out the, the psalm of the day, uh, especially for you, dear preacher, uh, devotionally, um, Psalm 62, uh, our Psalter has uh, quite a few uh, settings of this Psalm and to meditate on those words that your soul finds rest in God alone. Um, wherever you find yourself in ministry these days, uh, flying high or feeling pretty low, um, Psalm 62 speaks right to you and, uh, and serves nicely with the other readings for the day. Yeah, thank you for that and that connection that uh, Psalm 62 is of great comfort to those um, who are yeah, carrying out this lofty charge of proclaiming the gospel. Yeah, and riding the uh, emotional roller coaster that, uh, that that brings with it. Um, 
Well, let's go then to the gospel for the day, uh, Mark 1, 14 through 20. Um, simple, powerful, beautiful, as you mentioned, John, uh, just uh, connected to uh, this core gospel message and then those who have the privilege of speaking it. Uh, Phil, could you get us started with our text discussion? Some thoughts uh, to share with preachers about Mark 1, 14 to 20. And if I can, even before Phil jumps in, um, you know, I noticed from listening to podcasts, John, that oftentimes the seminary prof goes first, uh, a visiting prof, but but it's been Phil going first in this series, uh, kind of a superior act um, from a man who stands at his desk rather than sitting often. I mean, people can't see that in our podcast, but sorry to break in, but uh, I want to defer to Pastor Casmer before he talks, but uh, rightfully so, Phil gets to go first. Thanks, Phil. I, I should mention I'm also standing at my desk today too. So um, the Phil is having a salutary influence on me. So Phil, take it away. I'm really here to serve in a heroic way most <laughs> often, uh, by standing. Um, but as I stand here and look at this text, I think uh, we generally have uh, one thing that is presented in two parts. We have the proclamation of the gospel, right? Um, and in 14 and 15, we get sort of a, a summary of what Jesus is doing. And then uh, 16 to 20, the continuation of what Jesus is doing, but with uh, those he calls into the ministry, the call of the disciples to come and be fishers of men. Um, there's lots of cool things in here, I think, good applications for us to think through. Uh, if I were starting, I'd just go back to, to 14 just to note some things and maybe get us into it almost verse by verse. Um, you know, it starts with that simple clause of John, after John was put in prison, uh, which summarizes a lot. And I don't know, it, in Mark's gospel, everything is so condensed. Lots of time has passed, maybe a year since the first time Jesus uh, met some of these disciples. Um, Lots of things have gone on. He's done ministry in other places. Um, but here Jesus comes onto the scene. And after John has been taken off into prison, Jesus comes right into the arena of Galilee, uh, which was under Herod's control. And he's preaching the gospel of God, uh, the good news. And we can all drill down on that, I suppose, in 15. I would just say in Mark's gospel, it's significant that I believe, unless I missed it, these are the first words that Jesus speaks uh, and believe the good news. So uh, he gets down to telling it that the time of God's kingdom has arrived. Yeah, thank you. Um, John, uh, picking up on those thoughts or uh, any adding any observations you'd like? Yeah, um, so Mark's gospel, uh, I think Mark is assuming that his hearers knew the story, and so he he simply says now after John was arrested, but um, if you remember uh, now in chapter six, he's going to have um, that arrest. It's He's going to have a flashback, if you will, there. And so um, later on, Mark will get into the gritty details of it, and he can assume that his hearers um, know the details, but preacher probably doesn't want to assume that um, your hearers uh, know um, all that's about. And and if, if you want to set the scene, if you will, um, just what kind of place is Jesus going into um, and what kind of men is he going to call? Um, by all accounts, humanly speaking, 
John the Baptist ministry was a failure and and it's a dangerous place where where Jesus is going to preach and so um, all the more that he shows up as Phil says rightfully um, the first words that he speaks um, that's kind of interesting too um, the first thing we see from Jesus here is not uh, not a miracle um, not uh, defying nature um, but the first thing that Jesus does on the scene um, is proclaim. Um, and if I can, in verse 15, that uh, proclamation of the time being at hand or being filled up, um, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe um, the good news. Uh, what does that mean for our hearer um, that the kingdom of God is, uh, is here and now that this is right? A, uh, it's a dynamic thing. It's a ruling activity thing, not a place sort of a thing. And when we say, uh, when Jesus says his kingdom is at hand and, 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 oh, by the way, you know, it's coming again. Um, he has a word for you, uh, repent. Um, and your sin doesn't look good on you and, um, it's time to think differently and repent and believe in the good news, believe the good news that, uh, that Jesus is for you and not against you. Bill? I'm just thinking as I was reading these first two verses too, that, um, you know, it comes into Galilee, which is not like the heart of, it's not like Israel, Hollywood. It's not where all the rich and the famous are. It's a lot of normal people. John referenced that. I think we'll talk about that more. Uh, the guys he calls into ministry, the people he calls are not the wisest Pharisees and um, Levites and whatever else. They're fishermen, which is a great trade, uh, but they're normal people. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know if you two have any different comment on it, but in, in 14 and 15, just the, the thought of the kingdom of God, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is, is, has come near. Um, I think as we go down into 16 through 20 and we think for ourselves about the call to um, fish for people, you know, it doesn't always seem right, the right time. And was that the case in verse 14? John's handed over. Uh, he's, he's taken into prison. And if you were guys like some of these guys who had been followers of John uh, and, and your leader gets taken to prison, I think that seems like exactly the wrong time. It seems exactly like, God's kingdom is not near. It seems far away, um, which is a good indicator for us as Jesus' ministry begins that, you know, God doesn't work in the same old way. Uh, I think even as John referenced already, that we think of an opportunity. Great, John. Yeah, just on that, um, you know, when, when Jesus says repent and, and believe in the good news, um, you know, I think uh, of a statement that comes up uh, sometimes, uh, you know, almost like a forlorn. Well, it is what it is. Um, and like Jesus shows up uh, in Galilee and he's like, well, I actually want something better for you. Not a trudging along, not a, well, it is what it is. But Jesus comes to make all things new. And, uh, and really, this is the Christian life, isn't it? It's repent and believe, repent and believe. Um, present, um, ongoing, this is your life. So, Right, right. Yeah, somebody wise once said uh, that every day is to be a day of repentance, right? 
uh, Martin Luther kicking off the 95 theses, but that was a key in, in his uh, outlook on things too, that realization that, yeah, this is just the rhythm of the Christian life uh, to acknowledge your sins, to turn to Jesus and the good news that his kingdom is upon us and uh, the grace and forgiveness that that brings with it. Um, yeah, that is for us right here every day. John? Yeah, just with that too, then, uh, and I think it leads into the verses 16 through 20, which I mentioned before we were uh, on recording here, you know, what is the connection 14 to 15 and 16 to 20, uh, but just the urgency uh, to your work, dear preacher, and and why it is that Jesus is getting after uh, these, these first four disciples, um, <clears throat> why fishing for men is so important, these people that this good news is going to interact with and take hold of uh, where they are apart from him, where they are apart from repentance and believing uh, there's an urgency um, to this work in front of us. Right. Um, that, I don't know about you guys. I, I'm kind of seeing the connection as the message in the first two verses and then the messengers in the following verses. Uh, maybe that's an easy way that the text could be divided and, and treated. Um, yeah, and it as you guys have both uh, mentioned that it, it's, and I think Phil, you said this well. Uh, it's Christ doing the work still in verses sixteen through twenty. It will always be Christ uh, doing the work, uh, Christ through His Spirit. Uh, it's just that He involves us in this work and involves these humans um, in the work of proclamation too. Um, he's doing the heavy lifting. He's doing all the lifting. Um, even as we labor in him, the results uh, and the fruits are to his glory. Um, yeah, to that, Phil. I'll maybe jump it into 16, 17, 18 to 20. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, Jesus goes on then and he calls these guys, Simon and Andrew, James and John. Um, and maybe if the, the emphasis in this back half is I'm going to make messengers. And we're going to talk about what that means. Uh, Jesus says to them, I'm going to take you from what you're doing and uh, flip you into a version of what you're doing, fishing for people now. Um, I will make you to become fishers of men. Uh, and perhaps if there's, you know, kind of a uh, hesitancy or a disconnect for us in thinking, you know, this is not for me or I don't think I could do that. Uh, I, just in reading 17, I thought again, uh, you know, Jesus calls them into his gospel ministry, um, but he also says, I will make you to become this sort of thing, uh, not to like, they're in it already, you know, everything takes practice. Um, they're going to get down to being, figure out how to proclaim the gospel to the people that are around them and uh, catch souls. And, you know, maybe I don't know if he would do that, but maybe if they were construction workers, he would have been calling them builders of human hearts. Or if they were real estate agents, he would have said, uh, you're going to be sellers of kingdom turf or something like that, right? Um, he uses the, the stuff in the moment to draw them into what he calls them to. Um, but I think that encouragement that he's going to, as you said, John, do the work and, and bring them into it, that's the same encouraging call for us when we think about it and perhaps our own sin and hesitating to do it right john yeah if the old adage is right you preach to your uh yourself first preacher and 
and, and maybe in some of our circles, uh, pastors' conferences are happening at this time too, and, and maybe we preachers get that rare occasion where we're actually sitting there listening, and, and if these words uh, show up at this time, what, what Phil hits on there, yeah, you, you're not up for this task, but the Lord uh, who equipped these four uh, also equips you for it, and and I think uh, at least one of the commentaries wants to make mention of, you know, what what about these what about these men? Even those who learned from them and who followed after them, you know, say precious little about who they were as people and about their lives, because it is about uh, the one that they're privileged to proclaim. And you fast forward two thousand years, and it is about the one that we are privileged um, to proclaim and. Uh, when we are not up for that task, uh, we know who makes us competent for this ministry. Great. Um, so we, we usually talk about law and gospel themes in the text. Um, uh, now, I, I don't know how much clearer you can get than repent and believe the good news. So maybe that's self-evident. But uh, any other thoughts for preachers as you're uh, developing kind of uh, the law and gospel um, and the framework that you find in the text. Uh, Phil, do, would you like to go first? He is standing. Uh, I'd say the other end is just the, I don't know, my sinful nature always has like a little hang up on, in 18 and 20 when it's like um, immediately they left uh, their stuff. And, and immediately Jesus calls them in 20 and at the end of 20, uh, they left and they went after him. And my sinful nature is like, oh, dude, immediately. Because I got a lot on my plate. Like, there's a lot of important things going on here. Um, and I think that preoccupation with all the other stuff around that kind of idolatry, I can be tempted to, to love the other things first. Uh, or even to to think, you know, Jesus is calling me to some weird asceticism. Um <laughs> I think that sin is in there. Uh, I don't. I can't do this following, or not like that, um, or these guys had some special dispensation or something, um, and to kind of talk myself out of what Jesus calls us in. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yet when you think about how Jesus was in Galilee, um, this is not the prime place where you know he should have been. Uh, searching for followers, according to most people. Um, and as you mentioned, Phil, after John was put in prison is the setting here. So things not going well, it seems, uh, for the people of God. But uh, right, it's still the grace that reaches into that those situations that uh, really stands out here all the more then. John? I was just going to say, uh, you know, Phil alluded to uh, or spoke about you know what a good day for uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John. I mean, they 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 followed, and it was an immediate thing. And so, cheers for them in Galilee. And yet, uh, you don't have to read much further in Mark um, to see that they had some not so stunning days as well. And I know I came across this that January seventeenth is uh, ditch your uh, New Year's resolution day. It's an you know an official uh, you know laughing day on the calendar now each year, and so that will. That will show up around here the third Sunday after Epiphany. So, all right, you've been after your New Year's resolution for a couple of weeks. Time to ditch that and uh, uh, recognize um, you have days where you shine like uh, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and you have days where you don't shine 
like Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and uh, um, repent and believe uh, in the good news. Right. Right. Um, yeah, uh, Phil, uh, thoughts for preachers on, um, yeah, we're getting into applications kind of already, which is good, but uh, further thoughts there? Um, would you, uh, let me maybe be a little more specific. Um, sometimes we have opportunities to preach. We used to call them recruitment sermons. I don't know if that's uh, a good term for it, but to mention the public ministry of the gospel and to urge um, people to think about that, especially uh, those, you know, uh, in the early stages of life and they're thinking about um, how to serve the Lord in the future. Uh, do you make applications like that when you're preaching on a text like this, Bill? Uh, I went and looked back, you know, just in preparation for our talking and found I have preached on this text twice. Um, and in one of those two, I made that as an application. I think among kind of in the both both and way, Jesus calls people to minister. Um, he calls people who are going to be doing other things as their primary vocation to also have as their primary love, the gospel, mm -hmm. and to be calling the people around them in the normal places that they are. But then also what a glorious and good thing it is that God calls people to do this thing, just like those disciples in a in a permanent way. So I guess I batted 50%. I was 500. Okay. Okay. Uh, John, to that point, have, have you used this as kind of an opportunity to talk about the, the public ministry? Yeah, I think two out of three times spent in 667, you know. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, and right what Phil said there. Uh, I, you know, um, does it appear sometimes odd to be the you know, the preacher talking about the preaching or teaching ministry here. It doesn't have to be your people know you and this is opportunity and the text leads you there, um, but also uh, their uh, support of the gospel and their proclamation. I mean, the, the message of uh, Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them is, um, um, is for, for all no public ministry needed. Um, for that. And, and maybe January is a good time to talk about that. Some of our churches probably still uh, have the practice of an annual meeting around this time of year, or you're, you're setting some ministry goals uh, this time of year. So uh, I like to see it as a both and not an either or. I mean, mm -hmm. vocationally, what, a, what James and John, their father and their hired men, you know, uh, were they not compelled by what Christ was doing, um, but they stayed about their work. So, right. Yeah, and continued following, just not in the the same way exactly as these men who would be devoting themselves to it. Uh, Phil, another thought on this? Um, not on. I, sorry, not on that point particularly. Oh, okay. Was, yeah, move on uh, to another one. That's fine too. I was thinking ahead of uh, you know some of the other lessons that are here, and then um, kind of the thoughts of what's our encouragement as we we go uh you know you've got all of that in second corinthians 5 what we are that we are now christ's ambassadors and i i don't know i was thinking on verse 17 just in application that i tend to think i don't have the power to do and it's true i don't have the power to do and how important to know that jesus says i will make you to become fishers of men um and we pray that in the prayer of the day on this day, anoint us with the power of your spirit that we, we too may bring good news to the afflicted, 
um, to know, you know, even as we go out with like normal people who are plagued by all the normal stuff, we are still by the power of God's spirit that this gets done and not my own ingenuity, which I need to know as a preacher professional first, but so does anybody else who's going to do it. Yeah. Uh, any further thoughts on uh, how to illustrate the truths that are here, either the uh, early verses on the kingdom of God has come near Jesus proclamation or the fishers of men section? Um, I mean, the fishers of men, it's, it's a ready made um, illustration that Jesus uses. As you've noted, Phil, he's got the stuff right there in front of him. Um, and these men and their occupations. So he just uses that as a way to express the work that they'll be doing through him, uh, with him in the future. Um, but any further illustrations that come to mind that might give preachers some ideas? Okay. Yeah, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't know if I would call it a, uh, an illustration, but uh, maybe again, um, the, the comforting aspect of this, you know, if you were to ask uh, Peter and Andrew and James and John um, two days earlier, you know, how they thought the next week would turn out for them, this would not have been uh, uh, on their radar at all. And just the, the all sufficiency of who Christ is um, for the work that he has called us to do. Um, and so I, that, that surely lifts me up as I, as I go through these verses um, again, um, whether you think of yourself too highly or think of yourself uh, too little, um, in Christ that goes away. Yeah, yeah. I will make you to be uh, fishers of people, right? So it, it's the sufficiency coming from Christ. Um, yeah, uh, Phil? Um, <clears throat> I had just, I can't remember where I was reading it, but... Uh... Just thinking in 14 and 15, John references earlier, but, you know, Christ calls out generally before he calls specifically. And he says, you know, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom is near. And we, we can say that it doesn't look like that. And I think to a lot of people in the world before the call to faith, it doesn't look like that. It looks like there's a whole bunch of better stuff going on. Um, and they're, they're missing out on the, the kingdom glory properly uh, that, that Christ has procured and set forth and calls us into. Um, it made me think of that C.S. Lewis um, reference from the, the weight of glory where he's talking about, you know, we could be like kids sitting on the beach making mud pies and, um, you know, that's the best thing. What could be better than doing that? Uh, rather than being uh, called to do something far better, I can't, I'm doing it ham-handedly now. I can't remember the rest of it, but yeah, you know, they, they making, mud, making mud pies in the slums because they can't envision a holiday at the sea. Is that, that something was, like that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Christ calls us to something that's so much better. It's like right here, um, come and see the kingdom of God. Yeah. And I, that's not a I don't know that that's a gospel application, that's a, a law application. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, but it speaks to what when you mentioned earlier, the sinful nature's unwillingness to follow or, you know, we, we balk at this. And it, it could be 
that part of that is, um, yeah, we just uh, are not giving Jesus enough credit for what he could do uh, through us or what our lives could be as we follow him and uh, fish for people. John? Yeah, uh, John, what you just said there in that last sentence, this is almost redundant what I'm going to say then, but uh, just uh, if if ever we've doubted uh, the sufficiency of, of his word or the power of it to accomplish that which he uh, desires, um, I think this section uh, is an answer to that. Or I don't think that it is. It is an answer to that. Uh, he calls and they follow. And uh, and the call of the gospel that goes out uh, from our lips and the lips of our people as they live in the world which God has given them to live, to interact with real people and real places and real lost places, that that power is uh, in his word and it is all sufficient. Okay. Right. Phil? It, that reminds me, now I think we've referenced it a couple times, but I think I don't know, often in talking about the ministry and people's witness, um, that Galilee comment <laughs> reminds me, you don't want to make too much of it, of course, Jesus goes to Galilee, it's not where all the um, rich, intelligent, amazing, super theological scholars are, all right, but um, when our people go to proclaim, it's going to be in normal daily life, John just said, with all the people that are around them, um, in the machine shop where they work or uh, the office that they go to five days a week or with their mom's group, you know, normal people with normal concerns in normal places. And actually, um, sometimes I say the places that I am not going to be, you're there. Mm -hmm. That is the prime emphasis of this text that like the pastor doesn't get to be in all of your places. You're in those places right. um, to be the proclaimer to bring Jesus into them. Right, right. Any ideas for uh, themes, um, sermon themes, or uh, basic outlines for preachers? I guess uh, one I thought of, or just kind of the seed of an idea, is kind of using the, the kingdom of God as come near um, as sort of the overarching idea that this is all about, uh, yeah, the reign of God breaking into the world. Um, with grace and peace and new life. Uh, and how is that happening? Um, first through a unique message, um, the message brought by Jesus himself here, repent and believe the good news. So yeah, there's uh, good news for you, no matter where you're at. Um, and then secondly, through unique messengers, and this kind of goes through, uh, goes uh, with what Phil was just saying, um, Peter, James, John, uh, they're all in unique, uh, Andrew, they're all in unique positions uh, with unique backgrounds, and Jesus knows this and is going to use those, and, you know, likewise for application, um, we're all called to serve in unique places, and the people we preach to all have, you know, inroads into different communities and groups where we don't uh, have those same connections, so through these unique opportunities, um, the kingdom of God continues to break into people's lives. So that's just kind of one seed of an idea. Any any others that you might suggest the preachers? Uh, John? Yeah I, yeah, I don't know, not fleshed out yet, but kind of what I had mentioned before about if an attitude could be, well, it is what it is. Uh, you know how Jesus, Jesus turns things upside down. So 
Jesus is versus it is what it is or or the compelling uh, the compelling call of Christ or or look out when Jesus shows up in Galilee I mean mm-hmm. anything along those lines which would yeah. not uh, probably be uh, how the textbook would say uh, maybe to approach it but but Phil said I could do that okay <laughs> any further ideas uh, that might uh, give preachers an idea Phil um the past two times that I went through this, one of these was probably more like John just suggested, kind of, not a theme in parts, but sort of playing around the idea of, of what's visible and what's not. Um, and, I, and I actually started with, you know, you see Jesus coming onto the scene, um, but when he proclaims that kingdom of God, it isn't something that we see and that is part of our temptation, um, whether it's the thing itself or my investment in it and whether and how I will do it and belong in it, um, God is doing this invisible work. Uh, It's visible in Christ, but it isn't the stuff of the world and what we see. Uh, And then it's in you and in your hearts and you bring it out in the world. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. more like formally and normally, I guess I would do something like come follow Jesus. Uh, within God's gospel kingdom and to become God's gospel fisherman or you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think as you said before, message and messengers, John. Great. Uh, yeah. Further thoughts as we uh, get close to wrapping up here. Okay. All right. If not, uh, the Lord bless you preachers as you um, think about, yeah, this uh, one of a kind message that Jesus proclaims and the privilege of sharing in that work by his grace with him. God bless you as you proclaim the good news.